morning, world. Welcome to another episode of 4 a.m. in quarantine. My name is Steven Rivera, and I'm here with my buddy, uh, Powell Chi. Excited to have him on. Uh, Powell is uh, the founder of Multifamily Masters, and I will let him dive a little bit deeper into what Multifamily Masters is. And it's a, it's a networking group uh, within the real estate realm. He's also a real estate investor. Uh, entrepreneur and he balances his w2 corporate job as well and uh thank you for being on powell and i am excited super excited to have you on and for you to tell your story and to to give the audience a little bit of of what powell's all about man sure absolutely i'm happy to be here steven great to be here so um you know just to tell you really quickly i guess about myself uh, i live in los angeles um, been here for less like seven years. I run and operate several different companies. Um, first company that you mentioned is uh, Multifamily Masters. So Multifamily Masters is a global networking group within real estate, uh, focusing on multifamily investing. And we have about 7,000 members right now. Um, we started about two and a half years ago with just like eight of us. And now we're, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, 60 locations across the United States and a couple globally, a couple, um, one in Hong Kong, one in Dubai, about to launch a couple other internationally as well. And so that's, um, that's Multifamily Masters. I also do uh, investing. And so I run a company that invests in real estate and we have about a thousand units, which I've been a part of general partner on. And so syndicated about five deals um, have a couple deals that I've operated as just myself as well. And yeah, entrepreneur side, uh, business side is always exciting. So I run a digital, digital marketing business as well, focusing on um, helping a lot of small businesses uh, run Facebook ads uh, with chat bots and sequences and things like that. And from there, uh, you know, I really try to help out a lot of uh, real estate professionals uh, and small businesses. And, and like you said, I do uh, balance that all with my day job as well. So, I love it, and I know that's 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 really a big focus of yours is just understanding. I know I know it. It's got to be difficult in the beginning, right? And and I know it's got to be a huge focus of yours to trying to balance everything and making it all work. Because I mean, obviously, in the beginning, it wasn't you know it wasn't multifamily masters. It wasn't digital marketing and you know real estate investing all at once, right? On top of your corporate job. Um, you know, you kind of ease into it and, and get things rolling one thing at a time. But how do you manage, you know, that, that, you know, staying efficient and effective and, and productive in your nine to five W2 job, um, especially a sales driven productivity based, you know, job, right? How does that, uh, you know, how do you balance that alongside, you know, building a successful uh, you know, real estate business as well as, you know, everything else you got going on. Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, so my day job is in sales, I'm on a corporate sales team. So sell, selling to sort of large enterprise companies and, you know, with a sales job, uh, the good part of it is that you do have some flexibility, right? I'm out in the field a lot. So I am making a lot of phone calls and visiting a lot of customers, but when you're, you're driving a lot. And so you do have some drive time where you're able to make calls and everything like that. So I do make calls, you know, occasionally, or if I need to check my email, you can uh, do that, you know, during the day. Now, 
the thing is though, um, that's one thing that my job kind of gives me in terms of flexibility. It's a lot of flexibility within my job and not every job has that, but every job has some type of advantage that you can take advantage of. So maybe if you're in front of a computer all the time, you actually have a lot more access to, you know, things that are digital and, you know, communication and things like that. So you can take advantage of being in front of a computer all the time, or maybe you're a, a fireman or a policeman and you, and you have long shifts, but you have, several days off in between and you could take advantage of those those type of things or you maybe work the night shift every every job does have its its uh, advantages and disadvantages so um so you just want to make sure you uh you know can work around your job but the one, the one thing for me though too like you mentioned uh, in terms of having a balance you do need to you know for me it's you i need to concentrate on my jobs when i'm at my job and so um when i'm either not making phone calls or things like that pretty much during those middle blocks of the day, uh, it's pretty much concentrated on making sure that my job is doing, being done very well, you know, at its best. And so that is really important to do. So you don't want to slack off necessarily during your job and things like that. So. Totally. Yeah. And, and I know that like for me anyway, I, I get in a flow, right. And that's, you know, that's kind of when I'm, when I call my, call it my unstoppable, just focus time. Right. And I, and I get super focused, you know, everything that every single distraction that I have around me is not there. I am focused on the task at hand and I'm in a creative state where I can, you know, go ahead and, and, and really dive deep into whatever I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. when I, you know, I personally was balancing my business, my real estate business, as well as my corporate job at the same time. I didn't do it for very long, I'd say about a year or so. But throughout that year, it was really difficult for me to be able to get into that flow state. Um, it, it took me probably a good six months to even understand and, and, and be able to get into the flow state, you know, because for me, I think I, I, I'm able to focus more in the morning and a lot of more, more of my creativity is, is, uh, takes place in the morning. So I had to find time after work to find that creativity after work. Right. So how are you still doing that? Right. You know, because I I had a tough time in the beginning, um, balancing that and and you, you're obviously continuing to do that and and you do it to this day. So, I want you to kind of kind of let people know how you get into flow state when when you're you know either going back and forth between your you know your corporate job and your businesses and, and everything that you have you know going on for you. Sure. So one of the things I learned a few years ago was really is um, you got to get up early. I mean that's one of the main things is you got to get up early and and I had heard that before, right? You hear people say, oh, "Get up early and do your work early," and you think, "Okay, well, I mean." So I, for maybe six months or so, I was getting up early, but I wasn't doing anything. You know, I was getting up early and I was like checking my phone, right? So I go to my phone and I would look at emails and then I would look at Facebook and then I'd look at Google and see what the news was. And then before I know it, it was like 45 minutes or an hour that I just was laying in bed looking at stuff on my phone. And I was like, well, I'm getting up early. I'm being productive. I'm getting through my emails, right? And it really wasn't, you know, it really wasn't productive at all. And then um, I read a book called The Miracle Morning uh, by Hal Elrod. And it talks about 
how if you want to wake up in the morning, you need to have a certain routine. And, and uh, there's many successful people that have, that have sort of, that you can follow their path of waking up early, starting a routine before, before you start doing your actual work. And his idea is like, hey, you know, before you, you could do a bunch of different things, but why don't you try them all? Um, so try all these routines and just try to do them, you know, for a few minutes each, so five to 10 minutes a day. And that kind of gave me a lot of structure as far as like, get up and then do this, you know, early in the morning, have my morning routine. And then once I'm done with that morning routine, it's like now I can start getting on my work. And so when, when I work, kind of like you mentioned, I, I also time block a lot of things. So early in the morning, I know like I have like an hour and a half to do to focus on this particular particular job or business. So I focus on that particular task or project that I have at hand and I don't flip back and forth between, okay, let me do some digital marketing. Let me do some real estate. Let me do some, some you know, networking things. It's like this, you know, I block it off so that I know this hour or hour and a half or half hour, whatever it is, is going to be specifically for that. Let's and pull it right there real quick because I want you to, how do you, how do you get rid of all the other distractions and, and how do you mentally stay focused on that one task? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that's a struggle for a lot of people is they're, you know, time blocking, right? But mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, you, you do get, you know, a notification on your phone or you, a thought comes into your head. Oh, wow. I got to do that. And all of a sudden you had to send an email. So you get it back on your computer and you send the email and now you're no longer focused. So yeah. explain how you do that, please. Sure. Absolutely. And, and in part of this too, is I think everybody has to realize this is, it's always a work in progress, right? So I'm never thinking like my system is the best that it's ever going to be. And that's, that's it. It's like, I'm constantly learning. Oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do it. Maybe I should try this. Right. So this is what I do now. It doesn't mean what, it did, what I did a year ago. It doesn't mean what I'm going to do in necessarily in the future. But in terms of what I do now is I try, to block, I try to make sure that that project has several tasks in it and I know what those tasks are, right? So if it's a large thing like, um, say, it's, um, say it's like has to do with real estate and it has to do with uh, I'm trying to find um, my next deal in real estate. Well, it's not just project find next deal, right? That's not that's, that is the main project, but I, there's several tasks in there that have to get done. So I want to know what those tasks are. So I usually will write them down or I'll, or I'll know hand as far as I could check them off, like call this broker, call this broker or call three brokers or analyze this deal or, um, you know, get these little things done that's inside of that full project. So, um, so I know my task that I'm, that I'm doing, and that helps me move that project forward. Now that project might not finish in that hour or hour and a half, but I know that I've, I've already got my tasks lined out inside of that project. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. No. So that's, that's how I do it. You want it, So if you don't just, you're not just checking off tasks, random tasks all over the place. You're, you're kind of have sequenced out. These are the next tasks that I need to do to move this project forward. So if it's a digital marketing thing, it, and then I need to build out a, um, a scenario for somebody then it's okay what am what is what do i need to work on first right what do i need to work on the ad do i need to work on a copy do i need to work on um you know like you know the targeting of it so then i know what i'm going to do in terms of those tasks then i go through those that go through those steps and that will bring me down to like condensing the overall task the overall project isn't as big anymore because i'm hammering out a lot of those tasks in place so it's good to know what those tasks are to write them down 
inside of that project. Yeah. So breaking them down into small actionable steps. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how do you, how do you create that, that mental focus though? Right. And no longer have that distraction. Do, do you put your phone somewhere else? Um, yeah. Because that's, that's what I have to do. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, all it takes is for one email or text or notification to come in and it completely ruins my focus time. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess it, one of those things is like, I'm, I'm one of those people that is ever since I've known, I've been very, very focused as a person, right? So things don't break my focus very easily. So texts, uh, emails, Facebook messenger, all kinds of that stuff just hits me all the time. And it doesn't like, I just stay on my task that I have to do. And wow. then my task later will be, okay, go back and start to look at all the notifications that went through because yeah. I don't, okay, I don't go away from that. Now, obviously in other people's businesses, you have to kind of weigh out the, the cost of that and everything. But for me, it's like, I need to focus on this. So that means I don't look at my email. Like I don't, I don't look through any of that stuff. Um, I don't look through my notifications. If somebody texts me at that particular time, I don't feel the, the urge to write back to that person right away. I'll generally just leave it and just say, oh, I know I got to get back to that person sometime soon, but I don't need to do it right now. Right now I need to, do this. this is my priority. And I'll tell you another thing that, uh, something that's helped me and I've learned from other people is that they talk about sort of the two minute, the two minute exercise. If, if it is something that you can do in two minutes, then maybe you need to take care of it, right? And if it's, uh, you know, if it's just like send somebody something or write this thing down or whatever, then maybe if, it's, if it could be done in two minutes and, and completed, then go ahead and do it. You don't need to put it off till later, right? Unless you're going to do all of those at a later time. But if it's something that's going to require back and forth, a little bit of a larger project, a little bit of thing, then you need to set it aside and not do it then. And so, so if it's um, somebody uh, sends you a text and, and you can respond and get it done with in, ten, in two minutes, then go for it. But if it's going to take you a while to like, okay, I'm going to create a, new, a whole new post. I'm going to create a whole new a chatbot sequence. I'm going to create a whole thing. That's probably not something you want to take. Put it off on a different project concentrate on that thing later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good, that's a good approach because, you know, anything that, that takes more than two minutes could potentially take 10, 15, 20 minutes and, and, and exactly. prolong out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's definitely something that'll take you away from everything that you're doing and, and, and that focus. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I can, you know, every single time that I sit down to focus, um, you know, I, I love how you brought up the action steps because unless I do have those action steps right in front of me, um, I'm completely lost. So I'll waste another, you know, half hour just trying to figure out what the next step is in mm -hmm. that sequence to get that, that next piece of that project done. So for, for me, creating that that at those action steps and even a, a daily to do and, and plan um, the night before is really the only way that I can get into the flow of things. And I, and I do, I do also have a morning routine where I get up, I do the same thing every single morning. I'm able to get that sweat in. I get, I get my coffee in and then I already have my to do and, and everything for me set up on my desk. And sometimes 
if it's, let's say my first task for whatever reason, I have to send out, my first thing is just send out this email, right? I'll have the email already open. Um, you know, I already have it drafted so I can just pop it to the, to the draft. Most of the time it's ready to just be sent, right? Mm -hmm. Or if it's working on this project and it involves PowerPoint, for instance, right? I have PowerPoint up on my desktop already, pop in there. I know exactly what I have to do. So for me, prepping those action steps and prepping that action, um, is so big for me. Otherwise, you know, sometimes I'll just spin my wheels and just, and not be able to get into that creative state. Um, yeah, that, that I know I need to get into. You're right. I mean, if you if you are disciplined enough to do that, I mean, that's great. I I don't do that every night. I'm able to do it sort of in the morning where, where, during my morning routine as part of the thing of my scheduling of my day. And I do it in the morning where I, I have those tasks that I that I'm going to do. But I also um, write them on a computer and have I use Asana so as, as my project management to to go through that and, and so I know where my projects are and what tasks need to take place. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, if you could do that the night before, and I have done it the night before where you are telling yourself, this is what I'm going to do the next day. And you prepare yourself for that. Um, much better. I mean, you're much better off at that. Now I haven't done it. I haven't, I haven't done that yet. Uh, not consistently, not enough. Um, but I haven't felt exactly the need yet to, to put that into my routine, but it is something that, you can do it. It's great. It's great to do. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for me waiting till the morning to kind of put my to do together, it already throws you off track. So I figured, yeah, let's get it done the night before, uh, you know, um, um, that's kind of my wind down time. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, you know, throw everything together, have some sort of plan for that morning. And then, then it's, it's much, just much easier for me to just plug and play. You know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Totally. So, um, how does, how does the, um, how does real estate come into, to play with you? Um, how did you get involved in real estate? Because I, I'm always, I'm always, uh, intrigued to know how, how and why real estate, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, just love real estate in general. A lot of people mm -hmm. have, either passion or, you know, excitement around real estate or their parents were in real estate or, you know, family members, you know, what drove you to real estate and, um, you know, why are you still in real estate, man? Yeah. You know, from, uh, I guess the early age is that, uh, my dad got, got me into it when, when we were really young, um, in that he would, you know, uh, dad's an electrician. So blue collar work and my mom was a stay at home mom. So, um, it wasn't like we lived in fancy places or anything, but, um, you know, fairly middle-class and, but my dad would, he would, he bought a house and then he moved and he would rent out that house and then he just kept, kept it. it. And he did that a couple times. And, and by the time I sort of grew up and, and everything later, I was like, well, I mean, these houses are in the San Francisco Bay area. Right. So, at the time he was buying them, they were like under like $150,000. And right nowadays they're like, you know, a lot of money. So they're like a lot more than that. And I was like, how am I going to do that? Like, I want to try to do that. And my dad's always like, yeah, you got to get into real estate and everything. So, um, and I was like, look, well, I, w I don't know how I'm going to buy this, you know, million dollar house. Like these things that cost like $800,000 right now. How am I going to, how am I going to afford an $800,000 house? You know, just trying to come out of college and I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. So eventually 
I, like many people, read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? And started thinking, wow, that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's totally what I want to do. How can I do that? And I had no idea. Like, I had no idea. And that kind of idea just kind of fell by the wayside. I always had it in the back of the mind that, yeah, I would love to get into real estate. It seems like there's a lot of power in it. There's a lot of, it just seems like a lot of uh, opportunity to really change, uh, you know, to have generational wealth and, and grow your wealth. And it made a lot of sense to me. And then it wasn't, uh, so I read that book probably 2005-ish, somewhere around then. Um, wasn't really able to put it into any type of action until about 2012, 2013, that I started to understand that, hey, like, what was, what I really started to figure out was that I don't really need to do all of this in California, right? So although I live in California, I live in LA at the time I live in LA now, that was in the Bay Area, but I realized, you know, I don't have to buy a house in LA. I don't have to buy a house in the Bay Area. I could buy a house throughout any part of the United States, right? And that was a big turning point for me. So because, and I tell people this is like, when you live in LA, and you say, okay, well, I want to buy in LA, and you're probably thinking anywhere within two hours distance, driving distance, it's still expensive all around. It's still expensive. Now, most people that live in LA are probably okay with buying something in, in Las Vegas, which is four hours away, drive time. And, and they, I would say that a, a significant portion of people are actually okay with buying something maybe in Phoenix, which is like six hours drive time away. And when you start thinking about that, you start thinking, okay, well, I could buy a place in Phoenix. It's a lot cheaper and still expensive, but it's a lot cheaper than LA or the San Francisco Bay Area. And I could run it as a rental and things like that. And if you're willing to drive six hours that way, then you should be willing to probably take a plane ride, two hours, three hour plane ride somewhere across the United States. And you could buy somewhere. Now you're talking, you could buy a two thirds of the United States is open to you. And so what's the difference between an hour on a, you know, uh, three hours on a plane versus six hours driving. Right. And so that was really kind of started the genesis of like, Hey, I could do this, um, you know, remotely. So my first house that I bought was in 2015 and it was in Kansas city. So I live in LA, I bought it in Kansas city. And about a year later, um, the very beginning of 2017, I bought my first multifamily property, which is an apartment building in Indianapolis. So again, I still live in LA, but I bought my first apartment building, which is a 40 unit apartment building in Indianapolis. And so those were kind of like the eye-opening, you know, it was eye-opening from reading about Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Then it was eye-opening to think that I could do this. Actually, I don't have to do it in California. I could do it anywhere else in the United States. I just got to be willing to take that, you know, to, to do that then. And, you know, back in the day when, you know, when, um, you know, it could be 10, could be 20, even longer when my, when, when my dad was purchasing property, it was much more difficult to purchase a property that was, um, you know, far away, right? Much more purpose, harder to run it. But now when you're talking about technology and instant messaging and uh, reports that get generated, auto generated right away, you know, the, the ability to see things and connect with people in these other, in these other locations, it's, it's the easiest that it's ever been to invest in out-of-state properties or somewhere remote properties. And it's never been easier. And it's just with technology, it's going to continue to get easier and easier. So uh, we're not living in, you know, 1980 or 1990 where, you know, there was no internet, there was no instant messaging, there was no, you know, not everybody had a cell phone and things like that. So you, 
these kind of things, um, it just makes it a lot easier than it was before in the past. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I got started, and yeah, why why I continue to to pursue down that route as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess to in, in today's world, right? You 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 feel like you're you're still a part of the asset, you know, even if you're you know thousands of miles away, mm -hmm. you you're still very much so. Um, you know, in tune, right? Because you're able to get these reports generated uh, on the daily. You're still able to stay in in contact with your property manager, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and find out if there's a leaky toilet if you want in probably all of, you know, 30 seconds from the point that your property manager finds out, right? Exactly. Um, and it makes, it makes you feel that much more comfortable as well, where you're not just kind of trusting in this management company that um that you can't really have a, a management hold on yourself mm -hmm. and i think that that's really what technology and, and everything and the processes that have evolved over the past you know 30 40 50 years have given us access to do yeah i mean my dad 40 years ago he was living in the San Francisco Bay area and self-managing like a six unit apartment building that was in LA. And I'm like, that's, you know, at the time that's, you know, that's six hour drive um, from LA to San Francisco and you're self-managing a six, a six unit apartment building in, you know, this is like the seventies. Right. So I'm like, that is difficult. All yeah. right. That's difficult. Nowadays, it's not even close to that difficult. So um, yeah. And so there's, you have the ability to do it. You know, it's not, uh, it's not as difficult as it was in the past. Yeah. yeah so, so let's discuss relationships um, mm -hmm. in, in, in real estate and just in business in general. Um, that's been a pretty, that's been a fan favorite over, uh, you know, our, our past few episodes. And um, I just want to get your, um, you know, your take on the importance of your relationships, um, you know, in business, as well as, you know, the fact that you run a massive global um, networking group, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, relationships mean something to you, right? So mm -hmm. let's discuss the importance. And, you know, how do you how do you grow a relationship from from the ground up and, um, you know, especially a business relationship. Yeah. So, you know, when I started this group, right, it was a multifamily meetup. It was the reasons why I started it was because I was doing this multifamily investing by myself in front of a computer and my phone. And it was just me. And I didn't know anybody else that was doing it. Yes. There were some forums. Yes. There were some books and things like that, but I didn't know anybody else that was really doing it. And so, I wanted to meet other people because honestly, I'm more of a people person and just sitting in front of the computer and doing this all day and analyzing deals and looking at spreadsheets and things like that was just not what I wanted to do. It was just became one of those, you know, it was just tedious. So I started a group of, you know, kind of like-minded people that were interested in doing what I was doing. And, you know, I started it with just the idea of, Hey, I want to network. I want to grow the network. Uh, I want to meet more people and talk about what we're doing and things like that. But that has since grown to much more beyond that, just the simple idea of like, I just want to get together with people. I ended up meeting my business partner, partner through, uh, through my meetup. So he's my business partner today. And 
I will tell you, he did a great job and I've learned from him as in terms of like how to approach a, um, a business partner. So I was investing in Indianapolis at the time. He was also investing in Indianapolis at the time. And you first of all have to come from an abundance mindset. And I think both of us had the abundance mindset. And so we were actually competitors because we were looking to buy the same type of property, right? In the same area, same city. We both live in LA and, you know, we're both looking in Indianapolis. And he started, um, like he, he would find a deal and he would analyze it. And then he would ask me, Hey, did you, did you see this deal? And I would say, Oh yeah, yes or no. I found, yeah, I saw it. And there was a couple of times we bid on the same, the same project, but then he started to say, Hey, like, um, he started sharing with me his underwriting, which is kind of unusual for a, a lot of people because they don't want to share things. Right. But he's came from the real abundance mindset of like, Hey, I'm going to share this because if he gets it, you know, he didn't, he didn't feel threatened that I was going to like steal it from him, which, which is great. And then, so I was like, Hey, this guy's like showing me his underwriting, showing me like what he's going to offer on this, on this property. And I might offer on it too. And like, you know, but I kn knowing that he's going to offer on at this price is I didn't want to like try to undercut him or, you know, do anything like that. But I would talk to him about it. And then, so I started sharing some of my underwriting with him and then he started, we started sharing back and forth. And then we started talking about, Hey, well, if he gets, if he gets a deal, maybe he'll bring me in and we could cut a partner. Maybe if I find a deal, maybe I'll bring him in and find a partner. And then we just started sharing. And the more and more we started sharing, the more we realized we have, we both have the abundance mindset. We both have a similar uh, understanding of how to underwrite, how to operate these deals. And we had a similar idea of, of um, you know, just kind of the partnership of what we could cr create together. And we also had complementary skill sets. Like um, I'm more of the big picture type of guy, the big picture and look at it as in what, what we could do and, and sort of solve the, the larger problems he was much uh, better at sort of the operational analysis side of things. So yes, I could analyze deals and he could analyze deals, but he was much faster at analyzing deals than I was. Right. But I was much more about, uh, Hey, communication with the brokers and talking with um, people that would get us deals. So we found that we had complementary skill sets and that really helped us kind of merge into a partnership, like a basically a full-time partnership that has gone beyond real estate at this point. Um, and so that's, that's been great. You know, that's uh, kind of the, one of the ways that people can do it is really to the steps that he took that your audience can take as well as you need to give and not be afraid that somebody else is going to say, like, take that from you, right? Like, Hey, there's a deal. And once sometimes, sometimes you find a deal and you want to put an offer on it, you're like, I don't know if I really want to tell anybody else about it, things like that. But sometimes if you find that partner and you just say, Hey, look, I know that it's a little bit of a threat that they, yes, they could kind of take it away from me and steal it from me. But if you're both really of the abundance mindset, you know, it's kind of like, they could just really help you. And the more that you kind of bring stuff to them and say, Hey, we could partner with this. We could do this together. Uh, here's, here's where I'm sharing. Um, you know, this is offering you value. And since he offered me so much value in the very beginning, I was like, yeah, well, this is somebody that I could work with uh, down the line. So yes. that's just a small example. I mean, I got many examples of like, you know, in terms of like networking and what it does and, and, you know, what multifamily masters does as well. So no, that's a great, that's a great example though. Cause so in, in hindsight, you were able to build trust right before, mm -hmm. obviously he, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't the first time he had met this guy. He didn't have any sort of trust or 
um, you know, you didn't just come off the street and this guy sharing his, his underwriting, you know, you built a little bit of trust with him. Right. And, and he mm-hmm. felt, felt, you know, he, he, he didn't feel any, any sort of animosity or any, any sort of, um, you know, the, the fact that you were going to steal this from under his nose, he had a little bit of trust. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and again, if you went ahead and you, and you stole that deal from him, you know, you wouldn't be in the position you're in today. And, and yeah. you know, that, that's, that's how you, you know, ruin business relationships exactly. instead of building them. So he had some trust in you and you were able to, to go ahead. All of a sudden you had a little trust in him and, you know, that all, that, that's no, it's a snowball effect, right? And created mm-hmm. now this huge business relationship for you guys, which is fruitful um, and abundant for the both of you guys, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the way to do it. You know, we started off, you know, sometimes you've got to be that first person to really take that first trusting step. Right. And you might be a little scared that, hey, that person could take it from me and I really have this great deal and things like that. But um, truthfully, that, you know, no matter what deal you're looking at, it, it's not worth it to, to, to sort of steal that or try to take it or be conniving in any way. It's better to just be abundance mindset and try to help the person out. And if it and down the line, that might help you out as well. So I love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah. So let, let's break down the abundance mindset. Because um, that comes into play, not just in business, come in, comes to play in life mm-hmm. um, and comes into play in, in people's careers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a, you know, with, with colleagues and, and friends. So let's break that down and, and kind of discuss when was the first time that you experienced or even knew of the abundance mindset because growing up, I, I had no idea what that meant. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I had, you know, growing up as, as a kid, I didn't know what the abundance mindset meant um, mm-hmm. until I actually met some people who had that mindset and I was able to, you know, kind of feed off of that. And, and you know, before I was able to actually gain some perspective myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know um, I would say the, the, time that I can think about it really was around real estate because real estate in a lot of sense has been sort of, I guess, maybe not necessarily the recent past, but if you look at the farther past, it was a much more about like, Hey, I'm going to do this myself and I'm going to keep, you know, I want to keep things to myself, but it was really kind of, you know, internally you would have to learn throughout, you know, your own school of hard knocks of how to do it. But there wasn't really much in terms of, uh, great schooling or any ways that you could kind of learn other than finding a mentor who happened to take you under his wing or something like that. So when I, when I started listening to podcasts that came out and I started realizing, Hey, there's a lot of, you know, I don't even know what it was necessarily abundance mindset. There was just a lot of people that were providing value that they're just talking about what they're doing and they're talking about how to do it. And they're giving out this free information. And I was like, wow, they're, that's really, that's a really good point. And that's a really inspiring story or that's, that's a great resource that I didn't know about. And because they are giving so much of this and there was so much of this happening, um, you know, I just started just gravitating towards it. I was like, these are the people that I want to be around, right? I want to be around these kind of people who, who are uh, giving and, you know, not trying to hide the secret, you know, the secret that I don't want to let anybody in. It's like, buying uh you know apartments in in one city it's like 
I tell people, cause you know, you can invest where I invest. It doesn't matter. It's not like I own the city, you know, it's not like I own and I'm going to buy every single apartment building there. They were talking thousands of apartment buildings. Okay. There's no way that I could buy that. So it's just like, I'm trying to buy whatever one you could buy the one next door. You can buy the same one that I'm trying to buy. It's, it doesn't really matter like that. Those kind of things um, to me, like I started meeting more and more people who were just of that mindset that like, this is, uh, there's plenty to go around. And not only is there plenty to go around, it's more fun when you do it with people and when you help people and you you get excited to show people things that, uh, that can help them. And you get really excited when they do something and they come back and tell you, and, and they're very grateful for what you were able to help them with. I mean, those are just, those are just rewards that you get. And you know, you only get if you are actually giving. If you're never giving, you're never really getting those type of rewards. And those are, you know, great gifts to have, you know, just to help, you know, just make you feel like you're contributing to somebody and helping them get somewhere where they may not have gotten there or they may have taken too long, a long, longer time to get there. I don't know. Those are just, those are just for me, uh, just rewarding things that I like to see. So. Yeah. And again, man, I, I, I love, I love that because, when I first got into real estate, I was very much so the same way, kind of, you know, learn, learn what I had to learn and, and go out, do my thing and, you know, stay to myself, right? I wasn't, wasn't into sharing my knowledge, wasn't into sharing the secrets. Um, and I definitely think that that had a, uh, it, it put me and my business in a place of, um, you know, where, where, I, where I almost was hitting a ceiling, right? I was almost at a plateau because, and I, I, and I didn't really understand, I was naive at that point. I didn't really understand why. And I think that was, that was definitely one of my biggest, um, I guess, downfalls, if you will, right? When I, when I was a young, uh, just kind of naive and, and uh, you know, investor, right? A, a new investor, uh, had a couple, had some success in the beginning, had a couple of successful deals. And, you know, it, it took me a little bit to, be, to, to get humble and to realize, Hey, you know, it, at the end of the day, this, this minute thing, like piece of value that you're going to provide someone or a minute um, secret that you're going to give someone is not going to affect your bigger picture. And that's why I, I love, that you brought that up because that's how I, I work now. And I have been working that way for the past three, four years. And it took me about probably a year and a half, two years, you know, in the business to realize, Hey, like, you know, you got to get your stuff together, man. You, you know, you have to start providing more value and helping more people before, you know, you, you start taking right. And you, mm -hmm. and you expect to create, you know, make, X amount of dollars or, or reach this threshold. Um, and I, you know, I truly believe that, you know, every single time you give freely, um, it'll come back in some which way, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's that direct relationship or that direct um, thing or person. Um, I, I think that either way it's going to come back. And, and that's, that's absolutely what the abundance mindset is all about. It's about giving without expectation to receive anything in return. Yep. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that's great, great, you know, great sort of way to project yourself and everything. And my previous career, career-wise before sales was actually in athletics and I was in coaching. So I was a coach and there are a lot of coaches that are like that, right? They, you're learning a lot from other coaches who have done things in the past and they're willing to teach you. And you as a coach are willing to, I mean, just your job, you are trying to teach somebody to be better, right? And you're not necessarily getting a huge financial reward or anything for it. Your reward is seeing that person get better and, you know, and improve. And so that's, uh, that's one of those things that like, just innately, I've, uh, I've had a lot of experience with, and I've met a lot of people that, that had that mentality of like, Hey, you could try it this way. And this is the way I coach it. And, and potentially it can help you. And if it does help you, then, you know, that'll, that's just good for you. They don't, they're not expecting anything in return just because they showed you a new way of, of coaching a certain athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of how you grow as, as a person, as a leader, as a business person is just taking little tidbits of every one of your mentors or someone that comes into your life that, Hey, I like, I like this, you know, this uh, approach, right. I like this, this attitude, um, just little things, taking little nuggets from different people is truly what makes you right. Mm -hmm. And that's why when people say that they're, you know, self-made or, um, it, it's, it's just never the case because you're always being, you know, built and, and made through other people and through experiences, um, that, that, you know, and your failures, right. Because, you know, it, it's, you're, you know, you'd be putting yourself in a terrible position if you told yourself that you'd be the same person you, that, that you, uh, you know, you are 10 years from now that you are today. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because you know in, in in my eyes it's about getting better each and every day and being a completely different person i you know i am today um in 10 years right yep absolutely absolutely and that's it's all part about you know personal growth and you know and and what you're doing as, as a person and and what how you're growing as a person and that's that's one of those things that i never knew was a was a big, um, I guess, sort of a factor in, in a lot of people's lives as mm. kind of their personal growth. I didn't really realize that as a, as a youngster, but um, as I've gotten older, I realized that that's really one of the major things that I've kind of always lived my life by. I used to call it balance because I used to say, well, I get good at one thing. I want to make sure I'm, I'm stronger at my weaknesses. So I balance myself out. So I, I'm always getting better at my weaknesses. But I realized that now it's it's not necessarily balance is this it's much more about just as a growth and improvement and it could be growth improvement on what you're good at or growth improvement on what you're bad at but whatever you choose to do it's it's growth improvement that's and so that's um yeah that's kind of like something for me that I've always uh, I've always strived for all the time and almost every facet of my life whether physical mental um, financial relationship wise anything. Um, it's always been about improvement and growing, being better. Yeah. I love that. I love that because growth improvement, if you take, you know, growth improvement, right. And personal development, and you now mesh that with priorities mm -hmm. that truly, you know, almost articulates, you know, you leveling up in, in a well-rounded way, because, 
you know, if you take, you know, if you understand what your true priorities and your values are and you strengthen each and every one of those values and now your priorities each and every day, you're bound to be a better person. You're bound to level up every single day, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you never want to be so, um, you know, conceited or, or feel like, you know, or you're at the top of the game, right? That you're, you're already the best that it's going to be. It's like, no, you, you know, you want to, you want to learn from people and not just, not just the people that are way up there. You will learn from a lot of people who are just average people, right? And you just, just even people that you didn't think that you were going to necessarily learn anything from, you can still learn a lot from uh, understanding their perspective and, and thinking about how it applies to yourself as well. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, again, that, that perspective, that word perspective you used is huge because, um, you know, you go to, you go to a country, I, I personally love traveling. Right. Um, so going to a poor country, like the Dominican Republic, for instance, right. You're, you're seeing a, a lot, you know, their city and it gives you perspective. It gives you perspective of how these kids are growing up in, in comparison to how, you know, the, the abundance that, that we have, or, you know, the, you know, of course, you know, everyone goes through hard times, right? Some, mm -hmm. some go through much harder times and, and much harder, you know, more of a, of a difficult upbringing, but those things are the true things that give you that perspective and make you appreciate what you have and, and, and how you were, you know, brought up and, and the situation in which you're in, because, you know, you could, you, you, you could always think that you're in the worst position possible, but there's always someone that's in a much, much worse position um, or, uh, you know, in a, in a much more worse environment, right. Than, than you are. Yep. Yeah. I mean, focusing on gratitude, just like you said, focusing on gratitude and what you're great being very grateful for what you have. I mean, that's a, that is something that I do every, every single morning. And I try to do that. Uh, actually, maybe this for, um, uh, for your audience. Um, one thing that my wife and I do is we, we say uh, two things we're grateful for uh, every time before we eat. So, um, you know, you could pray, you could do other things we've prayed and things like that. But right now we do gratitude. So we each say something that we're grateful for every, every single time before we eat two things, usually one, of, one about the other person and then one just kind of in general, you know? And so, you know, uh, those are just kind of like good reminders to, to have throughout the day. You know, I also do gratitude. I also journal about gratitude. So I, I do mindset things of meditating about gratitude. I also journal every day about gratitude and, and then do our uh, pre pre uh, meal gratitude exercises with, with my wife as well. So, I mean, just kind of those things help you feel, you know, keep your mind um, just open and, uh, and, you know, it's level headed. And uh, yeah, those are, I think those are all great things to, you know, to go through a, a life about, you know, the more you are like that, I think when you track people, more of the people uh, and the more opportunities that come your way. And, and when things go bad, you realize it's, it's not that bad, you know, it's things you can get over. That's awesome though. I mean, how, how has that affected your relationship um, in, in a positive way by, by doing that, you know, and speaking that gratitude um, before every single meal? What has that, what has that done for you 
and, and your relationship with your wife? You know, I'll tell you when you, when you really feel it is when you're not on good terms, when you are sort of angry at each other a little bit, right? When you're a little bit tense with each other. And that's when you, that's when you feel it. If everything is good and happy and everything, then you're like, oh, honey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful we got to walk and it's nice sun. And then I'm grateful that uh, you prepared a great, a great meal for us. Or, and that's okay. That's great. That's, you know, that's grateful to be grateful. Yeah. But when it's like, oh, oh man, I'm, I'm so mad that she did this and she shouldn't have done that. And I can't believe that she did that. Now you got to say you're grateful. That's really when it affects you. That's really when you got to like, okay, this is when it's important to do it when you're not feeling uh, so very, so fluffy and positive at the moment. And that's, um, you know, it's a challenge, but really challenges are just things there to that, you know, you need to try to overcome. So you need to get better at this, right? You can't, if you're really abundance minded, it's not just abundance minded when everything is good. You got to be abundance minded when things are not so good, right? And so those are the times where uh, me, I, sometimes I get too much pride and I don't like to, I don't like to swallow my pride, but it's forced me to like, okay, you know what? It's not that important. You know, like, yes, I was mad that whatever, I don't know, something, it's something small that didn't matter. Right. I don't know. She woke me up in the middle of the night or whatever. I don't know. didn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Something small that just, you know, whatever set you off for that day. And then you just kind of like got to swallow your pride take a deep breath and then realize that it's not that bad. You know, you can get over it and your wife is somebody that you, you know, is near and dear to your heart. You love her. And, and, and this issue isn't a big deal. And there are a lot of things to be grateful for in having her in your life. And so, I mean, come up with two, you know, you know, it's like, think about it and, and helps you to kind of, like I said, be a little level-headed, overcome, not hold on to things that are, that are kind of negative in your life. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a good thing. I love that approach and, um, you know, letting go is probably one of the hardest things in the world, right? Especially when mm-hmm. someone's done, you know, something terrible to you, right? It's very hard to let that go. Um, and like you said, you know, swallowing your pride and just being that bigger and better person, um, truly will, will set you free in a way. Um, you know, but have you ever had any instances like that where, you know, you had to truly forgive someone that, you know, you didn't want to even think about forgiving, um, that's, you know, either, you know, did something terrible to you and, and, uh, you know, in the past, maybe you were, you, you would have held a grudge forever. Um, but you know, have you had any instances with that? I mean, uh, I would say that, yes. I mean, there's people that have, I would felt like, Hey, have done me wrong in the past. And I mean, nothing, nothing major, right. Um, nothing major, you know, like nowadays, I would say I live in LA and there's tons of traffic, right? And I have to deal with tons of traffic all the time because I'm on the road all the time, right? So um, do I get cut off all the time? Do people honk their horn? Do people like slam on their brakes because of, you know, you accidentally try change lanes or whatever? Yes, it happens all the time. Just there confrontations where people, yes, try to want to fight you or something. Yes, it happens, right? Um, but it's one of those things that like, you know, I, 
I try to just remember that, like, you know, it's not, you know, just, it, it is an incident that has happened. It's not necessarily like, hey, this is a long-term effect of something. This is kind of like something that you could just see as an incident that you could let go of the incident. You don't need to sort of hold on to that person being like a bad person or angry with that person. Um, and so I don't know if that's, you know, those are the kind of incident. I try to treat it as just like, you know, I don't, I don't get overly reactive of it. And the more you, I think you do this and the more you sort of are in that abundance mindset and the more that you're, you're thinking about how things are, you know, how you're going to create a better life for yourself and how you're going to, um, you know, improve and things like that, then those little things don't affect you as much anymore. Like I don't get affected by traffic and, and by, and by people cutting me off or whatever. It, I don't get affected really anymore. And, um, and so it is harder to, to really, you know, get into in, under my skin to the point where I, I I'm really agitated for, for, you know, even a day. It's it just, I don't really get that. I don't really get that way so much anymore. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's something in life. There's always some things in life that are going to challenge you at some, at some particular point, And I'm sure that that's going to happen. I just can't think of any time that that's happened. I just treat most of the things that, that are happening that are sort of bad or negative that they're not, um, that they're not all that bad. Like there's ways to get over it. There's, there's still a lot of good that's happening. I mean, I guess you could talk about like COVID and, and COVID-19 and things that are happening right now, but you know, there's, you can still see a lot of good and a lot of good things that are happening and a lot of good people that are, that are doing things right now. And, and then you can sort of focus and concentrate on those things and those kind of things will, you know, just keep you away from, keep your mind away from all the, a lot of negativity, things like that. Absolutely. And, and you never know what the other person's going through, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, it's tough. It, it's, it's easy to see your side, but it's very, it's not always easy to see their side, um, mm -hmm. whatever it is that they may have done or they may have uh, said, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, although it's very, some, you know, many times really, really, you know, tough to, to forgive and forget, um, you know, most of the time, if not every single time, it's the most important thing for yourself mm -hmm. and um, to keep your mind clear and to keep your head clear because, you know, you don't, you don't want that in the back of your mind either. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, maybe you're holding a grudge or whatever it might be. Um, you know, so taking that approach is definitely something that, that I've, you know, worked on and that I've, uh, you know, implemented in my life because, you know, again, like you said, it's, it's never all that bad. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and most of the time, you know, this too shall pass. So it's not something that's permanent, you know, yeah. and, and everything is, is kind of here and, and gone, you know, nothing's permanent. So, um, as long as you always remember that in the back of your mind, sometimes it's more difficult than others, but mm -hmm. remembering that is, is super crucial in just keeping yourself level headed and, uh, you know, focus the, at, at the, you know, on the task at hand, whether it's, you know, personal business, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. You know, it's something really quickly that somebody told me a long time ago in terms of just, you know, what somebody does you wrong or you get angry or something like that. They told me a long time ago that like, if you get mad because somebody does did something to you, then you give that person a lot of power to control you mm. and, like they can do whatever they want and they control you by, by your reaction. Right. 
And I was always of that opinion. I was like, hmm, that makes a lot of sense. And plus, I don't really want somebody to have that much control over me that they yeah. can do whatever, right? They can, uh, they can not open the door and in, in front of me, and then I get offended uh, because they didn't open the door, you know, sure. like, and like, and I get offended, I get mad, and then I get agitated for for another hour. It's like, so they didn't really do anything, but they made they had this power over me to control my emotions of whether I get mad or not. I was like, that that doesn't make sense. I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be like that person. robbing like a full hour of your day, right? Yeah, you're literally taking it back from you. It's like you're never gonna get that back ever, ever again. And yeah. for some reason, you're still giving someone the power to actually go ahead and do that. Yeah. Exactly. And so when I started thinking about that, I was like, I don't want to give, I don't want to give somebody that power just to control me just because I get agitated or angry at, at, at anything that's, you know, large or small, just, I was like, so that always kind of gave me that perspective of if I'm ever in that mode, I'm like, I'm really angry. It's like, you are giving that power to somebody who's just, maybe they did a little thing, you know, maybe they did, maybe they accidentally spilled a drink on you. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. a big deal, right? Yeah, and, and maybe they just lost a loved one, right? And and yeah. you're not putting yourself, you know, yourself in their shoes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's all about perspective again and, and all about kind of taking everything with, you know, a, a grain of salt, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. And and not taking any, not, you can't t- ever take yourself or anyone else mm-hmm. too seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because, you know, then, then you, make, you make yourself go crazy. Everything... You know, and life is, is, again, it's not never permanent. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. But, you know, I, I, I truly love, um, you know, your mindset, your um, approach to business life, partnerships, and kind of everything that, you know, you have to offer as a friend, as a person. Um, I know you and I are working on a couple of projects together. Um, and, and, you know, I truly appreciate, you know, your friendship and everything that, you know, you've, you've done for, for me, for, you know, my business, for, for my life. And I appreciate you as a person, just, uh, you know, from, yeah. from the bottom of my heart, um, because, you know, it's, again, it, life's too short to work with uh, and partner with people that, you know, you don't get along with and that you don't like, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for those kind words. That's, you know, very, very kind words that you said. And so I agree. It's life's too short to like, you know, spend time with uh, people that you, you don't want to be around. Like, you know, if you, you want to spend the time with people that you like and you enjoy being around and you, you have fun with and, and you see a good uh, path of progress for you guys and, and uh, you know, the ability to work together. And so, yeah, absolutely. You know, don't spend that time on, on other people that that are just not that, not that, you know, facet of your life for you. Yeah. I mean, you have too many options, right? There's way too many options out there for you to settle on someone that doesn't either make you happy or someone that, you know, maybe makes you feel inferior, uh, you know, in, in a way. So mm-hmm. um, again, man, thank you so, so much. Um, yeah. I appreciate your relationship. Pre- appreciate everything that you've done and uh, appreciate you hopping on with us today. Uh, I, I really, I love your approach and everything that you're doing. So, um, where can people find you and everything that you're doing on online and, and, uh, you know, where, where can they follow you? Sure. I mean, uh, truthfully, the, the best way is probably, to, um, you can go, well, I'll, 
I'll tell you the best way. The best way is to Facebook friend me and then just Facebook friend me and then just send me a message. That's the fastest way, Perfect. the easiest way for me to do. Uh, but if you do want my email, my email is Powell, it's my first name, P-O-W-E-L-L, two L's, at multifamilymasters.com. So that's multifamilymasters with a S, dot com. And you can send me an email there. Um, and happy to connect with people uh, offline or anything like that. Happy to jump on a, a strategy session and, you know, try to talk to them about whatever it is, whether it's business, whether it's multifamily, whether it's uh, digital marketing services, any, anything that they'd like to discuss, happy to point them out in the right direction and, and uh, yeah, go from there. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. And I, I'm sure you'll get some, uh, some messages, some emails and, and connect and change some lives along the way. So thanks so much, Powell, for, yeah. for coming. Uh, again, appreciate you hopping on and uh, this one's going to be valuable. Absolutely. Loved it, Stephen. Had a great time, man. Thanks. Thanks, brother.